I'm Gab, he's Jules. Bitterly cold in West. Woo-hoo-hoo. Bitterly cold around Europe because other than yeah. Serie there was no league football. There was cup football. Which, loads of cups football. Let's face it, I thought kind of sucked in France and in Spain. It's the early rounds, no yeah. magic of the cup. Fortunately, there was one big game uh, in, uh, in, in England to uh, keep us going. That's Arsenal against Liverpool. This is box office, mm. and Jules, those first 45 minutes, I thought Arsenal absolutely ragdolled Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, we'll get the second half. But just tell me, you were there. Mm. What were Arsenal doing different? Is it because, hey, look, Kai Havertz is there up front, Georgie, the double pivot, and so things are actually working. And so yeah. when you press and then you win the ball back, you can actually retain it and... Was it? Yeah, a lot of things worked really well in that first half. I thought they pressed really, really well and counter-pressed really well and put Liverpool under so much pressure. I, I think the double pivot, Jorginho, Declan Rice worked perfectly. It's amazing when you're somebody in front of the back four who can actually pass in traffic at the ball in the half turn. Yeah, but he didn't even have so much to do that because they were just always in the Liverpool half pretty much. And, and Liverpool had nothing. It was strange to see them being so inefficient in a lot of things that they, they did. And Arsenal, on the other hand, apart from scoring, of course, which is the big uh, low point of the day, everything else was just so good. Everything they created, um, the way they moved the ball even as well, some of the, um, the, the patterns of play that we saw were, were great, even on the throw-in uh, on the right-hand side at some point with White and Odegaard, two, twice in a row, actually, they did the same trick. So there was a lot, I think, a lot of positives until they just could not put the ball in the back of the net, which I, was I, really I was watching on television at one point, I think it was like minute 40 of the first half, it was 12 shots on goal for Arsenal, just one for Liverpool. After that, we had, we had Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah. shot out of nothing, hitting the crossbar. Then the second half rolls around, and I, he tinkered a little bit with Nunez and Diaz and, and, and whatever, but we saw, I think, a very different Liverpool. Um, we were talking off air before. Yeah. Like, well, Liverpool couldn't be any worse than they yeah. were in the first half, sure. sure. But whatever he said to them got them around, and they got back into this game. I'm talking about performance now, not chances, because in the end, let's face it, both teams had chances, right? In the end, the difference was made. The own goal by Kivior. It wouldn't have been a scandal, I think, if either team had won this game. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And for me, Jota was the game changer coming on. I think it was far too easy for Arsenal to defend for most of the game before Jota came on. Whether it was Nunez as a nine, then a half-time club moved Gakpo as a nine and put Elliot in midfield and Diaz on the right and Darwin on the left. And even if they were better in the start of the second half, it was still not. It was still not. Very good, I thought, overall. But Jota is such an amazing player, I think. And maybe he was not fit enough to start the game. But when he came on, he made a big difference. And then, Do you think Jota can dunk? I don't know, but he beat Saliba in the air on a, on a corner. He's got some hops. Uh, but it's just everything is so good. And it must be so difficult for centre-backs to defend against, especially big, big boys like Saliba and Gabriel, because he's just so smart and so quick-thinking, all of that. I just thought it was, it was brilliant. And I, I do think that Arsenal got frustrated and lost a little bit of even more sharpness as the game went on because he stayed at nil-nil and when you are so dominant and you stay at nil-nil and you know that Liverpool are so good that they just need half a chance to score, which they did, then I think that gets into your head and your mind a little bit. So my theme with Liverpool all season long has been 
they're getting results, but they're not playing well. They're yeah. not clicking. Performance matters. Was the case yesterday? Case on Sunday, same. Well, the last couple of weeks they played much better. Mm -hmm. Sunday, I kind of feel like giving them a pass because look, if, if we take a look at who's missing, right? They're missing half their starting defense, right? Yeah. Robertson or whoever you want, and on and Robertson's backup as well. They're missing their best defender, Virgil Van Dijk. They're yeah. missing Sobislai, arguably their best midfielder. And they're missing their best player, perhaps, yeah. or in, in Mohamed Salah. They're also missing Wataru Endu, I don't think has been great, but equally runs around and gives yeah, you yeah. that defensive base, more so than a McAllister who's back. So to adjust like that, I think you have to you have to give them credit. And, and I think there's a point, and I'm imagining Klopp in the dressing room saying, I'm not going to do his accent, although I'm tempted, but, but telling them, guys, We've been rubbish, but look, God yeah. said we're still in this game. It's nil-nil. Completely we can't be this bad. Exactly. And the players respond to it. I do think switching Diaz and Nunez around and, and, and Gakpo, I think it certainly helped to give a different look, some different matchups. Um but in the end, and I, and I hate to bring up belief, I I think it was belief, no? Yeah, it's just, I don't know if belief is wrong, but it's just that they, they know, they don't panic even when they're under pressure. They just know that at some point something is going to come their way. And there have been games where they didn't take them, but more often than not this season, they've just, they've just always taken their chances. It's, it's really impressive to watch when you are at the stadium. I don't like to take cup games as indicators of what may happen in the league, but I kind of feel on this occasion um, that I will. We're going to get into the question of whether this game suggests that Liverpool might be favourites or, or, or have a higher chance of winning the league than maybe we saw before, given the way they came back into it. I'm going to turn it over to you. If, and again, we know not to let cup games necessarily influence how we view. Well, Liverpool had been playing better over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, when you look at this, I'm assuming you still have City as the favourite. Yeah. Okay. Liverpool, though, did they, have they closed the gap? Do you see? Because I look at this and I say, there's so much to fix in this Liverpool team. Right? It, it, the potential's there, right? But the left back to come back, mm. either one at this point. I mean, I think Robertson's still going to be out a while, right? Mm. But, you know, Timikas at least is an actual left back, unlike Jogo, who's out of position. And getting him back, obviously Van Dijk to return, but he will. Um, the midfield. I go back to this. Endo can't, doesn't give you the passing from midfield. He may run around a lot, but that's an issue. McAllister's now back, but then I don't think McAllister covers the same ground. That's not his position. No, no, yeah. He's a very good player. He's coming off an injury. You need to need to fix that. Lucky for you, not lucky for you because he's there, but Curtis Jones is having a really good season. Yeah. Great. Up front, I still have the same questions about Gakpo and Darwin. Uh, and Diaz less so. Um, if all these things click together, they can win the titles. I, I'm just wondering, how does Klopp go about fixing all these things? And Klopp, I'm sure, realizes this. Yeah, I just oh, and, and Trent, too, because we saw when he moves into midfield, as he did in the latter stages of this game, he can be devastating in that role. He has a defensive shortcomings, perhaps, although maybe people exaggerate them a little mm, bit. Yeah. <clears throat> does he then make make a call to move him no i how do you i mean there is a chance that liverpool could all come together and be a match for manchester city yeah, yeah they will improve and let's not forget that they will host city in the second half of the season so 
I think that's a huge advantage in the in the title race, which would be tight between them two. But also, I think Aston Villa somewhere. I think Arsenal will be amongst that too. There's still a lot of points that could be dropped, and we've said it before. But Liverpool, being where they are now, without being at their best by far, is really interesting for them because. So when you say fixing, there's no time to fix though. So he will be he will be the same. It will be the same players, the same system. Nothing is going to change. McAllister now is back from injury. He will play as a six. And he will have to improve on the fly. Yeah. And I think collectively they will also improve. I'm a little bit more worried about Salah's absence. To be fair, for example, Liverpool will have to go back to the Emirates against Arsenal at the start of February without Salah. Unless, unless Egypt are out, which I don't think they will be. Um, because yesterday, clearly, the plan to replace Salah. And again, I said it before on ESPN Plus on the coverage of the show. If it was just Salah maybe it would have been slightly easier to to try to find a replacement. The fact that Soboslai was also out, so of that right-hand side triangle with Trent, Soboslai and Salah, you lost two-thirds of that. And so it's not just finding who you replace Salah with, like let's say Harvey Elliott, because he's the only left-footed in that team, apart from Salah in those positions. It's also finding the right chemistry between whoever will replace Soboslai and Salah and make them play together. And clearly Klopp was not happy because he changed it all at half-time. So Elliott moved from the Salah position to the Soboslai position, and then Gakpo was in Sobosai position, moved into the number nine, and we had Luis Diaz coming into the Salah position. I'm not sure Diaz is the right guy for that position, but then if you don't think that anyone can replace Sobosai, so I think Klopp, I think Klopp wanted Elliot to replace Salah, right? The problem is, I think Elliot is better in that Sobosai role than Gakpo is, and that really nobody else is. So I think the Soboslai issue, even if it's a short-term injury, I think he'll be back in two weeks or three weeks. It's not too bad. However, I still think it's a, it's a bit of an issue. So I think, I think Klopp will need to maybe tinker a little bit, but not much will change. It's just that he will hope that they improve collectively and individually for the ones who play out of position, for the ones who are in the best position, but maybe not at the best yet. A bit like Luis Diaz, a bit like Darwin, a bit like um, you know, Gakpo when he plays, all of that. But, but still, there must be so much momentum and confidence in that dressing room right now, considering all, all of that we've just said, that they, they were surely looking at the second half of the season thinking like, yeah, we can, we can go and win everything. The Europa League, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the League, everything, really. I, I think this is where a manager really earns his onions. Uh, after a game like this, when you know, these Liverpool players aren't stupid, they'll be doing the video review, they know what happened. They'll know that they were played off the park in the first 45 minutes. And depending how you spin the message, and obviously as a manager, you come in and you say, hey, that wasn't you in the first half. Yeah. You guys are the guys in the second half, but you can be even better, right? And I presume this is what Klopp is telling him. Mm. Anybody can say that, but you have to make it believable. They have to believe that and not dwell on the insecurities of the first half when you have Reese Nelson, who's you know, tearing you apart down the left-hand side. And but this is a pattern of the season, to be fair. I've, I think we've said it before, all the late goals they've scored, so the equaliser at City, for example, late, that, that, that late trend goal, the first goal and the two goals yesterday, uh, the goal at Palace, there's a lot of games that they won late at Wolves, I think, they scored late maybe. There's a lot of games where they came back either for a draw, Luton away, that late Jazz goal, where the first half is often average for, for, for this kind of team, for this level. Right. And then the second half, whether it's the, the substitution that clubs make, and we've said before, when you can bring on Jota 
and Graven Bash off off your bench, it's 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 great to have as a coach. It's a luxury to have. And yesterday he made his first changes at 58 minutes, which is quite early. He often does it around the, the hour mark, but more often than not, it's after the hour mark. So 63rd, 65th, 67th sometimes. Yesterday was a, a little bit earlier and, and, and it kind of worked. And I just think like that character also to never panic, as we said before, and to come back late in games where you've struggled at times, even against smaller teams than Arsenal, that surely is a huge guarantee. See, I, I, I'm conditioned to generally judge managers by what they do tactically and how they help improve players individually. I think those are the two mainstays. This whole motivation, metaphysical, self-belief, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, You know, you can say that about anybody after the fact. Mm. But with Klopp, I'm on board with it. I genuinely think he does what you're saying because it happens time and again. Now, he has to pick up the other side of it. He has to get them playing better. He has to get these individuals to improve. Yeah. I, Darwin, okay, as I see it, Luis Diaz, I think he's got other levels to go to. And I don't think he's been, he's been the issue. Because even when Luis Diaz plays badly, he always has that threat. He can yeah, go past yeah. you any time or whatever. Darwin, I think he's near his ceiling. Gakpo, I don't know if there's more to come. I, I, the idea of Gakpo as a Bobby Firmino type, eh. You know, I, I don't know that he has a personality. I don't know that he has the, 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 the vision, the intelligence to do that. He looks to me like somebody who kind of, you know, manager tells him, do these five things, and he does those five things, but he doesn't give you any value add. Yeah, um, no, he's a, I think for me he's a sub in that team. McAllister, you know, this is not his position. He's relearning a position, and he's been injured. I don't think he's a long-term solution. I think he's a long-term solution to Liverpool's midfield, of course. But yeah. McAllister and Soboslai with a proper defensive midfielder behind them. Or uh, ideally somebody who can also pass. Yeah. Uh, Kwanzaa, you told me after he made his debut, like, oh, no, he's good. And I, I, I think he's done a job. It's yeah, easier yeah, to play when you've got Konate monster in the opposition. Oh, but Konate. there's so many little things yeah, to yeah. work on. Yeah, but there's little things in every team all the time. Always. You know, this is not... Yeah, there's fewer things in Man City that you really need yeah, to fix. I'm but. not so sure. <laughs> um, let's go back to Arsenal. Uh, well, first, I was going to ask about the Reese Nelson ahead of Martinelli thing. I think, I think, to be fair, Martinelli had played a lot and without much success on the pitch in terms of, you know, goals, assists, even his XG is really low. His non-penalty XG or ex-assist per game is something like one... 0.16. It's really low. I think he could have done with the rest. He rested him. And Rich Nelson, to be fair, played really well. He should have scored very early on, which could have changed the game maybe. Uh, and then I thought I thought brought a lot in, in terms of the pace that he brought in. And he looked confident considering he hadn't played much. And considering he fluffed that early chance too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you, you, and, you, you but can then, see that with a guy who comes off the bench, starts out, does well makes a yeah, yeah. massive screw-up, yeah. and then all of a sudden the insecurities come in. I mean, to his credit, that didn't happen. No, no, yeah. And then when Martinelli came on, I thought, okay, maybe Nelson could have had five more minutes, because I think it was the hour mark. And then Martinelli destroyed Trent twice in a row on that left-hand side for Arsenal. And I'm like, okay. Then I think Klopp, maybe not fully, but changes Trent's position to put him in field, put young uh, Bradley uh, right back for Liverpool. And then Martinelli never sees the ball again. And I think if I was you know, one of those Arsenal players, especially one of those leaders, I would say like, OK, this is an easy matchup here. Martinelli, even low on confidence like he is, against this kid who's played like three games before, I think, coming on 
every time or maybe started once in the Europa League and that's it. Just give the ball to Martinelli and, and let isolate him and go one-on-one, provoke, go at, bar, uh, go at uh, Bradley. And that n- never happened, really. I was a bit surprised with that. Um, but I think Nelson did well and Arsenal need other options anyway. So even if it was just a, a tryout from Arteta and it worked out okay, it was wor- I think he was right to try it because... Because they need at some point to rest a bit Saka, to rest a bit Martinelli, especially when Martinelli is not doing as well as he did last season. I don't think Saka had a had a great game. You um, seemed to kind of wane as it, as the game went on. I also feel though that sometimes he's asked to do a little bit too much, perhaps, or he tries to do a little bit too much. Is that a concern, or was it just more that Liverpool? defended well against them. Yeah, no, I don't know. He had a couple of chances to score. There's that volley in the second half. There's a few things in the first half as well. Um, it's just the way this team is built and the way this, the style of this team, it would be a lot of Odegaard to Saka a lot of the time. So the ball goes to Odegaard mainly, mostly. Because he passes in that direction. No, no, it's just but it's, that's his position. He plays on the right-hand side too. So it's easier for him to find Saka than to find whoever is playing as a left winger. It's more difficult. There's more bodies in between. Um, so if Saka doesn't have the success in terms of dribbling or provoking or going you know, going 2v1 with White or whoever else, then, then I think Arsenal, yeah, maybe less, a bit less efficient on that right-hand side. I, I'm not worried about Saka. His numbers are a little bit down compared to last season, but I still... I think that he's their best player anyway. So. All right, you know how I love to be contrarian and I need to be convinced of facts. Uh, there's two knee-jerk, insta-pundit reactions that always come out when Arsenal fail to win. One is, it's always Jorginho's fault, even though he's on the bench. I don't think people could say this today. Because yeah, no, he played we really well, him and Rice. The Jorginho yeah. Rice thing worked very, very well. It's yeah. interesting, too. That was very much, I thought, a 4-2-3-1. Other times when we've seen Jorginho play, you know, when Havertz was out and it was more yeah. 4 one 4 one yeah, yeah. they had the, you know, Rice was almost alongside uh, Odegaard. I thought this worked well. I yeah. thought this gave Odegaard more space in which to work, which I think Odegaard can benefit for because he becomes a little bit less Saka dependent to go back yeah, to what you yeah, said before. Yeah. And you have somebody who can, who's press resistant in Jorginho, who can pass through the press in a way that Declan Rice can't. I'm not criticizing Declan Rice, but he's a very talented player, but you know, short, intricate passing, give and go. It's not really his game. Yeah. And there's no need for him to develop that. It's almost like at this point, if you're Declan Rice, work on your strengths and become even Yeah, although more. I think he's been more press efficient than you're giving him, him credit for, yeah. Okay. But, um, but, so that that's one thing. And yeah, that's good news. The yeah, other thing, the other knee-jerk reaction, and we see it instantly, Yeah. Um, is the lack of a center forward. Now... You know my views on Gabriel Jesus. He wasn't there. I can't blame him. It's not him, yeah. So it's not him. I thought of you. Um, I do think a little bit, remember when they extended Eddie and Katia? And I thought, all right, are you sure you want to do this? Does it really make sense? To you? Are you, is he actually going to be your second choice? And then a game like this rolls around. And no, look, he's not. Kai Havertz goes back to playing center forward. Now, Kai Havertz played center forward for Chelsea for two years. So we can say, oh, Arsenal don't have a center forward. But, uh, you know, they do. They had a guy who played center forward for Chelsea for at least two seasons, won the Champions League playing center forward, played a lot of center forward. You can say he wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. Fine. You can say maybe it's not his natural, but whatever. Arteta's been using him differently. In this game, he went back to him. Yeah, yeah. I think 
other than some poor decisions where maybe he cut the ball back to the wrong guy, obviously some of his finishing is not as well. That one, there was, there was that one occasion where he took yeah too many took him, choices, yeah. It took him an hour to get a shot off. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to do that, you have to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool to watch, but you have to score if you yeah. do that. I don't know. I, I don't have an issue with Havertz at center forward and nope. continuing Me down neither. this road. Yeah, I agree. But the knee jerk is no, they got to go out, spend money. Ivan Tony. Yeah. Uh, whatever else. Yeah. Where do you no. stand? I. I it's a hard one because, you know, as you know, I think there's a lot of things that Kai Havertz bring, and we saw that yesterday. And maybe on television, you could not always see it, but every time Liverpool were having a goal kick or trying to build up from the back and try and move naturally into midfield because that's what he does, Jorginho and Kai Havertz did a really good job at kind of not man-marking him, but not far from it, right. preventing him from just cutting that Front pass shield, back shield. Angle pass. The, the oldest yeah, thing. You know where it's going to go, right? So. And I don't think Anketia can do that. I think Gabriel Jesus brings a lot of the things... This team, this team is built, and again, the style of play that Mikel Arteta has created for this team, that's taken a long time, I think, to implement to this team, is with a number nine that participates into the game, that link up play, that is there for the builder play, that defends, that presses. It's not someone who just stays in the box to be there to finish the chances. I'm not saying that there's no number nine right now that they could, they could go and get, that's not doing that. I'm just saying that this is not, this is not people in Zaghi number nine that they need right now because they would have to change the way they play and I don't think they want to and I don't think that's the solution, right? So then... What you're describing though is Kai Havertz from the four. Were you saying somebody who, link, somebody who links the play? Yeah, so somebody Kai who does and Gabriel Jesus are perfect for that. Eddie Nketia, a little bit less. He's more of a finisher, really. Whether you think he's a good finisher or not, it's not a problem. This is what he is. So why do I have to see Eddie Nketia play? Why not play when, when Jesus isn't there or for me, actually, even when he is there? Why not... Because I, I, Kai Havertz will have played, I don't know, off the top of my, you might know more than me, but three, four games at center forward? For Arsenal, no, I'm not even sure that much. I mean, he would move there, he would not start there for sure. Why? Because well, he why was not? signed to play as a number eight on that left hand side of the midfield. Okay, three. yeah. And then you realize, oh, look, I signed him on the left hand side. And what does it mean? It means that Declan Rice has to build play a lot and it takes away Declan Rice's runs into the box, which he's very good at. Uh, he, gets in the, he gets in the way of Odegaard. I mean, gets in the way in a, in a good sense, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they both end up looking for that same pockets, those shooting pockets and whatever. At some point, if your 4 one 4 one doesn't work because for whatever reason, and you're getting this kind of return from Gabriel Jesus when he's fit and he's unfit, yeah, yeah. why not give him a run at center forward? Yeah, no, I think, I think that would happen. We both agree this is a better choice than going out and some knee-jerk bring in a sniper or whatever. Arteta's not going to do that, nor yeah. should he do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think they're looking at the, at the window, at the market, like everybody else, like all the big teams, and if something could happen, I think they might go there. And if they believe that there's an opportunity there, they might go there. But I think we could, be, we could see a bit more of the double pivot with Jorginho and, and, and Rice. There are teams where you don't need a double pivot no. because you will have 75% of the ball. I think he knows that, but yesterday he worked really well. And also, Jorginho can't play every game. So. No, no, yeah, that's true. Um, and I think we will see a bit more of Kai Havertz. I don't, I, don't th I don't know if the injury to Gabriel Jesus is a serious one or not. I don't know when he will be back. But I think, I mean, now they don't have a game for 10 days anyway, or 13 days. So we will see for the next game against Crystal Palace what he does. But I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Havertz again in that position. All right, so we're both on board with this. This whole knee-jerk, Arsenal must sign a striker, yeah, is... Yeah, 
Yeah. No, no, because that, that you pick up the paper. But you, you always say pros, that's what they always say. No, I know, but you often say like, as long as a team creates chances, yeah, of course it's frustrating. And yesterday it was really frustrating in the West Ham game, and now they over 100 goals and uh, they over 100 shot on goal, and and I've only scored three goals, some ridiculous stuff like that, which is true, which is true, I understand. But at least they create, yeah. they create something. At least the the the, the, the performance, are, well, certainly at Liverpool and West Ham, against Liverpool and West Ham were good. Fulham, okay, that was horrendous. But the rest was good, so I don't think it's time to panic. enough Arsenal how about some quick hits let's instead? go Gav. Barcelona advance in the Copa del Rey with a 3-2 win Ooh. over something called Barbastro yeah. which I'm told is a football club in the fourth tier that's right Jules they managed to give to give up 14 shots on goal 14. for total XG of 2.5 incredible um, and this was a solid Barcelona lineup they put out it was a very strong lineup especially they just have no margin defensively yeah, yeah, but, I, but again, we go back to the problem. For them being so strong last season, domestically, not so much in Europe, but domestically, and then to be all over the place, so shaky. I mean, shaky, I think, is the perfect word to sum up the performance in that game. And yeah, they went 3-1 up. The, the, the second goal from Barbastro is late in the game, like garbage time, like you like to say. But still, they were shaky. The whole game, they were shaky. And usually in those games, you don't... Okay, you, you score early, which they did, and then after that you just managed the game. But no, they were under pressure at times where you think like you should never be under pressure in this game. It, it looked to me like there were some players trying to do too much, like Ferran Torres, like Rafinha, I thought, had a good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, it was okay. Femin was the best player, I thought. But. It, it, it just appeared to me like, all right, let, let's go and let's smash them, rather than just kind of managing the tie. And I actually thought the defenders in this game because there's a lot of individual mistakes, which is how yeah. they ended up with this many shots. Yeah, yeah. I thought they, 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 they said, all right, it's just, you know, this is done. Why are we playing? We shouldn't be playing. They should have the subs in. And they yeah. ended up costing Yeah, them. no, maybe. It's strange. But I mean, we saw Atletico Madrid as well struggling away at Lugo too. So we'll get to that. Not just them, but yeah. Inter stayed top of Serie A with a 2-1 home win over Verona. But Gab, how about the final 20 minutes or so? It was absolutely unbelievable. So much went on. Yeah. I have to start with Marco Arnautovic. If you get a chance to go watch these highlights, Arnautovic comes on and the first thing he does is he gives up Inter winning 1-0. First thing he does yeah. is he gives up the ball. May or may not have been fouled, but still, you're a big, strong boy. You yeah, don't pull down sure, like, like a sack that. of potatoes. Uh, they go up the other the, the other end of the pitch, and Thomas Henry, who of course is Thierry Henry's son, yeah. scores uh, to make it 1-1. Yeah. Right? And then after that, the there's two other incidents where Arnautovic pops up. Yeah. One is there's a header from, I think, from, from, from Benjamin Pavard, yeah. where he's, Arnautovic somehow runs to the goal line, he doesn't see the flight of the ball. The ball hits him on the backside, and he keeps the goal out. It's a goal line clearance yeah. for Verona. Uh, and then the third one is he's literally standing. He's got both feet on the ball line. The ball's coming from the sky. He's like six foot five. All he has to do is just touch the ball. Let the ball touch you, and then he somehow doesn't connect on the header. So absolutely, you're not going to see a worse twenty minutes yeah. uh, spell from a striker. Um, but then at the end, I mean, all hell group Inter very very lucky because their winner. It was an elbow from Bastoni. Yeah. Whether you think it was a vicious elbow or whatever, the goal should have been uh, struck off on because it was an Andre Duda in the build-up to Fratesi's goal. Uh, and then at the end, Inter managed to give up a penalty, which 
again, Henri. Yeah. Not, not quite as good as his dad, no. uh, Titi. Henri. <laughs> uh, by the way, yes, I know. It's not a really his son. They're different colors. And Titi Henri would have had to have him when he was about 12. But yeah. still. Still. Um, it's, a good, it's a good idea. It's a good story. And then the guy puts the penalty off. You could tell as well. Uh, he was so nervous. Yeah, he you was could so tell. Nervous. Tenth minute of injury time. It's always wild with Inter. Strip all that away. Yeah. Two big takeaways. One. You need a reserve striker who's not an out of it, like Sassan. Just one goal between them this, this whole season. That's not true. good. That's true. Uh, and the other takeaway is I thought Inter actually played well yeah. until Arnautovic came on. Yeah, yeah. The chances. That's that's all you maybe, you know, it's the start of the new year. That's what maybe they were just not. Manchester City stomp all over Huddersfield 5 0 as Kevin De Bruyne and Jeremy Doku make their return. Jules, Jules this was only ever going to go one way, right? But it's yeah. good to see these guys back. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the big news of the weekend for them is Kevin De Bruyne coming on, playing the Doku, last half hour. Doku. Doku, yeah, but Doku is, you know. He's Bob with quality. It's not De Bruyne, though, and he took the armband as well. He gave an assist. He was good when he came on against the Huddersfield team that were already well beaten. Foden was great. Two and so was Alvarez. It's just brilliant. And now you've got Haaland, I think, soon to come back as well. So you can take everybody. his time now with De Bruyne back. You will have everybody there. And Pep, I think rightly so as well, said let's not rush KDB yeah. too much because that injury was so bad that I think they're going to manage his, his game time, which is t- totally logical and normal to do. But that was a good, a good way of coming back, especially at home as well. So well done to them. Roman Atalanta battled to a hard 4-1-1 draw, which really helps neither team in the hunt of their top four. But Gab, guess who gets sent off again? Yes, Jose oh. Mourinho, two yellows, the seventh time in uh, uh, the last two and a half seasons. He's going to miss their big game away against Milan uh, next weekend. Yeah. Uh, the first one was really dumb. He was complaining for a foul, and he thought he was asking for the Atalanta player to be booked. When the referee wouldn't book him, he says, well, fine, then book me instead. And sure enough, that's him. what he did. Yeah. Um, I think both teams had chances. Neither team could finish. Roma a little bit lucky because it was a really stupid, stupid foul uh, that I think it was Ruggeri, the, the Atalanta player, made to to, to on uh, Karsdorp to, to cause a penalty. Um, they need to do better and they need to, to, to play calm. Yeah, play I, thought calm. They, I thought they had enough chances to win, to be fair. I thought they were good, but it's only a draw. Jules, we not done. More quick Yes. Hit. Chelsea advanced with a 4-0 win over Preston North End. The club made great by Sir Tom Finney. So yeah. I have to get a Tom Finney reference in of whenever course. I can. Yeah. Jules, you were there at Stamford Bridge. I and judging from your tweet, uh, you liked the last half hour more yeah. than the first 60 minutes. Yeah, I'm not even too sure about the last hour, uh, last half hour, to be fair. I mean, so Chelsea won. It's very good. It's three wins in a row. I've said that on the on ESPN coverage too. It's all good. Winning right now is the most important for them. Broja scoring, good. Broja scoring. Good header. I mean, thank God he did that header because apart from that, there was nothing. Where I struggle a little bit, Gab, and I don't want to be too harsh, but really, we've watched them all season. And now it's been, we are the beginning of January. Posh has been there since July the 1st, mm-hmm. right? He had a full preseason mm-hmm. to work, and I know it's a big squad, a lot of players coming in, coming out. All, I, I understand. But I watch them every weekend and I don't see any improvement whatsoever apart from maybe Malagusto on the left you didn't like that? Yeah but no I mean he was on my side on the first half and as you know (laughs) at the bridge we are so close to the pitch I saw Enzo Fernandez being as frustrated as me he was on the pitch I was in the stands not understanding why nobody was moving in front of him so apart from individual brilliance like you can see from a Cole Palmer now and again oh right 
quite consistently, to be fair. The best thing that we've seen from Chelsea this season, from a couple of players there and there, I just don't think there's enough collectively. I don't think Pochino is doing enough. I don't see enough improvement from this you team. Saw Alfie Gilchrist, that must have been. Yeah, right, right, yeah, exactly. I mean, he had, why did he had he cramps. Stop. After that, but which, because he gave a lot. Why did Thiago Silva come on just so that like he wants him to earn his money? Like, what was the purpose of sending this man at his age out into the cold like that? Well, I guess Gilchrist could not continue, and then I'm not sure who else from the bench. I can't remember. Does it matter? No, 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 it doesn't because Preston Whatever. were really, really average, mm. by the way. But they had two really good positions in the first half. I w I'm a bit worried about Chelsea because I, I think they should be better than where they are right now. And that's, that's my assessment to it. Another week, another late Juve comeback, Gabi against Salanitana, who are bottom of the table, of course. They go go down, equalise, and then Dusan Vlaovic scores the winner in injury time. Is the Allegri method working or is it concerning that they were still just 1 1 away at well, Salinitana? Against the team that went down to 10 men yeah. uh, early in the second half, yeah, against the a team that they had beaten 6 1 a couple of days earlier, against a team that's managed by super people in Zagi. It's yeah. very cool, you know, sex, yoga, and rock and roll, but when it comes to coaching, um, no, I think the best you can say is. Allegri's finally decided, hey, look, let me actually play some of these young guys because they're actually good. Kenan mm -hmm. Yildiz started again. Yeah. Vlaovic, tremendous header. Yeah. Uh, other than that, Juve don't play well. Kostic was terrible again at the back. They haven't played well all season, to be fair. No, but it's another big win. It's another comeback, and they believe their own hype. It's yeah. a bit like, look, when Klopp does it, we say it's great. Yeah, that's true. That's Maybe true. we should give Allegri credit. Yeah. I don't know. Paris Saint-Germain beat a fourth-tier Ravel in the Coupe de France. Winning I'll take that. Ravel, is that, is that, that's, that's like Toulouse way. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, rugby cast. country, no? Yeah, cast. exactly, rugby country. Um, They're playing a rugby stadium, by the way. Jules, but uh, I want to ask you all about my boy Sherdour opening his scoring account because that's really exciting. Uh, and Kaylor Navas saying. playing his first minutes of the season. No, just kidding. Yeah. You need to talk about that? I think to tell me how we great Sherdour is. Uh, a website called Footmercato got everybody excited by saying that Kylian Mbappe had agreed to deal with Real Madrid. Yeah, on Sunday night. I mean, it's a well-respected website. They have some good information. The guy who, the journalist who wrote it, uh, Santi, who I know quite well, is really good. He's got good sources. So this is not something that you just see appear coming out of nowhere. I don't know how they got it, and certainly they got it before everybody else, us included, uh, and all the the big kind of like transfer market specialist, if you want. So we will have to see. I No confirmation yet. No confirmation from anyone. Uh, certainly I haven't got it yet. I don't think, I'm a bit surprised if he happens so quickly. And we know that Ramadou were kind of saying we need an answer quickly, mid-January would be great. I, I think Kylian will take as long as he wants to, to take a decision anyway. And I think Ramadou will go with it like uh, Liverpool or like a PSG or like uh, any other team that he could be joining or playing for next season. So we'll have to see. But yeah, he got everybody I, going I, I'd be, I, I don't know. I mean, if they got it, fair play to them. Um, yeah. I think there's always more dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's yeah. that's required. And it's interesting too, because on the same day on Sunday, there was a piece in the Sunday Times by a journalist who's very close to God, I'm not exposing your source, Duncan. Please don't complain. Uh, who's very close to Luis Campos yeah. coming out and saying, oh, no, Mbappe won't be rushed into Real Madrid. He he wants to play in the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see. So, yeah, but we've said it before. He likes the Premier League. He likes Liverpool. He likes Real Madrid a lot more than Liverpool, I think, because that's his club. And PSG is his current club. And he also loves PSG. So it would be one of those three, for sure. Milan win 3-0 away to Empoli to stay third in Serie A. Stefano Pioli believes they have turned the corner, Gab. Is he right? 
Well, they're getting better results. Five wins in six. They're, they're safe sure. in terms of, of, of Champions League. They've got, what, like a seven-point lead over, over fifth place. And it's great to see the youngsters. Sheikh yeah. Traore, Jimenez uh, played. Yeah. Or scored, actually. Uh, we've seen Giancarlo Simic. They'll be better when all their injured guys come back. Yeah. Rafael Leao also had a really good game. Oh, and that's assist, that's yeah. really encouraging. Yeah. Real Madrid advanced past Arandina 3-1 as Arda Guler delights on his debut. Jules, more, I think, personally, more important than Arda Guler, um, we got to see Tobias at right back nah. and especially Alvaro Carrillo at center back. Which of the three is going to play the biggest part the rest of the season? Ah, come on. Arda Guler, 100%, if he can stay fit. Yeah, but they have other guys who play Arda Guler's position, but Carrillo, nah, no? I'm not sure we see much of Carrillo. They did okay against Arandina. Uh, Tobias as well, but I think everybody just was looking, was watching Arda Guler. He hit the post with his right foot and then the post with his left foot on that wonderful free kick. He's just such an exciting player to have. And yeah, I don't know where you would play him or instead of who and how. And I think, I think that in itself is quite exciting. But at least he was back first start, first game because he had obviously bad luck Let with injuries. Let me rephrase this. This season, it's more important that they get either Tobias or more likely Carrillo to contribute significant minutes between now and the end of the year if they're really not going to sign another center back. I'm sorry, I worry uh, about this. It keeps yeah, me no, up I at night. Yeah, I know you do, but I saw Eda Militao back at training, I mean, at least on his own, so he might not be too far. So we, we'll see. But I think Arda Gula is certainly the one they're expecting the most from. Napoli lose badly at Torino, 3-0, and the travelling fans are furious, Gab. I think you did warn us a long time ago about Walter, the master of disaster. I, I told you. I told you. And it's fine for you, De Laurenti, to say, oh, it's all my fault. Blame me. Okay, fine. What are you going to do to fix it? How are you going to fix it? Sack him now. Why would you, you keep him? Uh, you sack Garcia for less than that. Yeah, but because they're still you're at the end of the season. You've paid to the end of the year. He doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like paying managers. Blah. Horrible situation. And by the way, terrible. Noah Seaman, they still like Kvaratskhelia, they still like Raspadori. It was a strong and, team, man. And the fans are really, really angry. Yeah. This is way back on Friday, but a late Pedro Porro goal sends Tottenham Hotspur past Burnley 1-0. Jules, I was expecting more goals in this match, given yeah. who the two managers are. But I guess you enjoyed Porro's techers at least? Oh, yeah. And you know what? As soon as he got that ball, he recovered the ball high, then I knew he was going to hit it and he was going to score it exactly that way. I, I saw it in my head before he even hit it. I just thought Spurs were average, but they found a way of winning it. I mean, maybe I mean, Suns not being there will be big for them. I mean, we anticipated it, but maybe you saw there that they really missed something when he's not there. But they won. It's the most important. You take that and then you move on to the next game. I thought Burnley could trip them up, but... Yeah, yeah. Not. No, and if I'm doing score that big, big chance, and nil-nil, maybe they would. And sticking with Spurs, we joked the other day about Timo Werner coming back to the Premier League, yeah, but apparently it's happening. He reportedly signed on loan for Tottenham in the next few days. Yeah. So I think he started two games for Leipzig this yeah, season, right. came off the bench. There's a lot of competition, but didn't exactly pull up trees last year either for, for Leipzig. I'm hoping... Um, you got a good deal on his wages because he was on a big salary at Chelsea, presumably still on a big salary at Leipzig, maybe spread out over more years. Like, Ange knows what he wants, knows yeah. what this guy gives. If you want somebody to run in straight lines, I don't know if he's going to work out his finishing for his style of play. He seems to fit. He gives you work rate. Yeah, he gives you work true. ethic. The goals and are going to have to come from somebody yeah. else, at least while Son is away. Kulusevsky, maybe, more so than Richarlison, doesn't, is not particularly prolific. Hey, Everybody deserves a second chance or That's a true. third chance in Werner's case. Lons v. Monaco was perhaps the most high-profile Coupe de France clash. Jules, it did not disappoint. Ah, oh, Gabby was amazing. 
just absolutely amazing in the freezing cold at Bollard. He finished 2-2. Uh, no extra time anymore in the, um, in the French Cup, so you go straight to penalties. Uh, and what a penalty shootout we had. One of the best I've ever seen, I won't lie. Uh, five penalties stopped by the two goalkeepers, so by two goalkeepers together, three for Samba, two for Majeski, who's the Monaco second goalkeeper. And the uh, man for whom Reading Stadium is named. Of course, yeah. Who, by the way, had a, an absolute stunning game in uh, normal time because Lens were much better than Monaco. They should really have won, but they could not score that third goal. Uh, and then in the penalty shooter, he saved two, as we said. And then Lens, Medina hit the crossbar, for example. And, and he finished Monaco winning 6-5 um, in, a, in a really amazing penalty shooter, if you can go and find it somewhere, it's amazing. Although you could not find it, Gabi, if you didn't have French television. But yeah, great. And I felt a bit for Lance because really they were unlucky. But for Monaco and Adi Hutter, the really good season continues. Oh, you know my thoughts on Adi Hutter. Um, I want to say about Lance, um, we said, right? Europa League, Thursday night, we do the show here, yeah. and we hop the Eurostar. That's right. You can get Joseph to hook us up. Yeah, yeah? of course, of course. We'll Who are they and- playing in the Europa League? I keep forgetting. Uh, I keep forgetting. It's got to be one of the Champions League rejects, right? Uh, Yes. So so they're playing. No, they are the Champions League rejects. Sorry. No, so there we play a team that finish in. uh, I've got this coming. Whoever it is. Whoever it is. Freiburg. That's it. Freiburg. There we go. Bit of Christian strike. Exactly. Get some frites and moles. I know. That should be fun. Let's make it happen. Memphis Depay scores twice as Atletico Madrid beat Lugo 3 1. Gab, your resident. Memphis Solek. So you must be happy for him. I am. I want him to play. And look, I'd rather talk about Memphis than talk about the horrendous defending that we saw again at the back. I don't understand why you can't fix it. It doesn't matter if Witzel's at the back or if Witzel's in midfield. It's the people behind him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where you fix the issue. But look, he missed two months out of the season. He's back. I get it. Maybe Cholo, maybe can can we consider Griezmann in midfield and space for Memphis because the reality is Monata and Griezmann are going to not just start every game as you would expect but you're not really going to take them off unless you're chasing the game which you generally oh sorry you're not really going to take them off unless you're like 3-0 up which you probably won't be or unless you're chasing a game you want to bring on another striker in which case you might often bring on Correa as well I don't know what Memphis wants to do but I just want to see him play regularly because he's entertaining I know I agree I agree all right, Jules, you need to explain this Paris Saint-Germain lobbying <laughs> for Lionel Messi's Ballon d'Or story. I find it all extremely I'm not too silly. sure either. I'm not sure. There's a lot of investigations going on around Paris where the former director of comms. So all these investigations, it's all the same people. They're investi- this, is, this, this is the same kind of branch of the investigation, which is more generally looking into Qatar and Nasser al-Khalifi. They're the ones who are also looking at... Remember the guy who said that Nasser al-Khalifi kidnapped and yeah, tortured exactly. him? Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it's it. all the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah. And they so keep, this guy used to work for PSG. Yeah. I, as a they, they keep leaking things yeah, exactly. to the media little yeah. by little, right? Yeah, little by little. So, for example, that... Uh, the former PSG director of comms had tight links with Gerard Damanin, who is the uh, currently the minister of sport. No, no, he's no. the uh, home minister. secretary. Yeah, yeah. interior minister. Uh, but before he was also like some sort of economy minister. Not exactly that, but something like that. And when they signed Neymar, they wanted to have his opinion. So there's there's those kind of weird links in a way. 
that came out this week and we're like, okay, that's interesting. And then linking again PhD to Pascal Ferre, who used to be the France football boss in charge of the Ballon d'Or and all of that. And what does he do for a living now? Now he works for PhD. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, 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 sorry, but this story argues that, so if you remember back, 2021 was pandemic year, so there was yeah. no Ballon d'Or. Yeah, well, Lewandowski should have There won was no it. football and in France. Did, he, so want, did he want to give it to Lewandowski? So, yeah, so the year after that, that that's the year that he narrowly won. He won the Copa America, um, yeah. and that was the year he narrowly won it over Lewandowski. And I believe that was also the year before he arrived, or it was the year that he arrived in Paris, right? Yeah. And when he did not have a great season. No. Um, I don't understand. So the allegation is to make Messi happy, they rigged the Ballon d'Or for him. Well, yeah, really, rigging is a bit strong. They lobby? Yeah. So what, uh, wait, wait, the Ballon d'Or, as you know, and I think the whole thing is really, really stupid, but it has a bazillion voters from all different countries around the world. Do you think what this guy Ferre somehow Could then try to influence some of the voters? Them, please vote yeah, for Messi because he know. won the Copa America. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, 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 yeah, and he says he voted for Lewandowski anyway. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think his vote is public. But too, he right? had apparently a lot of uh, like tickets to go and watch PSG trips to Qatar, all that kind of stuff. I don't know, offered to him or given to him. I'm not really sure exactly. So it doesn't look good on paper. And then France football came came out. Yesterday, saying like, no, all the votes were clean. What are you going to say? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, but yeah, so it's. Doesn't that happen though a lot where you have, you know, you, you bring guests to your, to a game, to your team, whatever team it is, it could be PSG, but also like, you know, top teams in Italy, in Spain, and, you know, and you've got guests often that come, that can come with you in, in one of the boxes. It doesn't always it's, mean that you want a favor from them in return, or I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're bringing in journalists from obscure country, if you're flying them to Paris and bringing, giving them, sending them to games, and I don't know if this is the allegation. In the no, because that was for Ferry, only Ferry, nobody else. Only, okay, so oh, yeah, only yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm it's, not sure. It, it's really odd. I also wonder, look, I mean, the, the kidnapping and torture story is, uh, is awful. If they're using public money, the government's involved by all means. Yeah, yeah. Magistrates no. should be investigating. This angle of the story. I, yeah, is this, but it's a lot of serious. I mean, yeah, Le Monde. No, no, no. It's, it's not just like silly press that's going. No, no, it's, it's a like, proper investigation. It's a proper investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. It's something. It's from the police report and everything. Yeah, yeah, no. So remarkable. Yeah, Jordan Henderson is reportedly unhappy at Ali Tifag in Saudi Arabia and would like a return to the Premier League. Gab, what a surprise! I mean, look, I. He's been he's been criticised already for 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 going there in the first place. Given yeah. his stance, can we give him more criticism? You went for the money. What did you expect? Okay. Well, all right. So if he went for the money, yeah, uh, and not to discover a whole new world and definitely Saudi, not. realize I he doesn't like guarantee. it. He doesn't like playing yeah. in front of seven thousand people in yeah. a thirty thousand seat stadium. He's tired of Steven Gerrard. Tired of losing because the team's yeah, not they very are good either. Pretty bad. Yeah. He can. It's very simple. You go to them and you say, "Hey guys." Uh, Let's cancel my contract. It's not that simple, apparently, right? We would have to pay some sort of like taxes or anything like that or something. I think there's probably a tax implication because I'm assuming he's not paying taxes on it. But you yeah. know what? If the reports are correct, he's making like seven hundred thousand pounds yeah. a week, right? I mean, he's making an absurd amount of money. Yeah, he could easily go and pay the taxes on that money, cancel his contract, and come back. Uh, you know, this is a situation. You know what I think of him, right? You know, I'm not a fan. Even less when he decided to make that move. I, 
But you're not a fan of him as a footballer. Yeah. I mean, as a person, he no, seems no, like I a know, nice guy. Like, we could also have told but, you before that it's not to everybody likes to go there, especially in a team that is not doing well. But at this point, Jordan, I think a lot of people would gain respect if you, if you don't like it, rather than telling yeah. the Telegraph that you don't like it, yeah. blah, blah, blah. We're open to a move. You go to El Atifak and you say, hey, all this money you're giving me, give it to somebody else. I'm going to walk away. I'll pay the taxes I need to pay. I've made enough money. Come back. Help somebody. You're helping yourself, too, because I'm reliably involved, uh, informed that there's a Euros this summer, too, which yeah. might play into it. Do it that way. If you're trying to engineer some sort of loan back to the Premier League for six months, okay, yeah, the Southgate yeah. sees you, but you don't want to give up your money, it's a different thing. Yeah. You're entitled that's to your true, money, that's true. but then you got to stay there. That's yeah, what a contract means. Yeah, exactly. Eric Dyer isn't getting much playing time at Spurs, but supposedly Thomas Tuchel would like to have him at Bayern. I know you're a big fan of yeah. Eric Dyer. This has to be a joke. The, you are winding me up. Everybody's winding me up with this. I, I, this is not possible that Bayern Munich, who needs a defender, not even just a body, because I think they, whoever comes in, whether it's Dyer, Mukiele, somebody else, will get some minutes at some point. Eric Dyer cannot be that person. I've got nothing against Eric Dyer. The it's got an expiring contract. He's not playing under your friend. He's Orange. just not good enough for Bayern Munich. He's not good enough for Spurs under Ange He can't be. He can't be he the can't fourth. Be. Well, well, no, he can't. Listen, they signed Bunasar, and Bunasar for ten million euros what, four years ago or three and a half years ago, and we were all like, "What?" Bunasar for me is like an Eric Dyer signing, or Eric Dyer is like a Bunasar signing. It really is. So Gap. Why? why? Bring Stanisic back. I just don't know. But they have money. Why would you go on a cheap for signing Eric Dyer? What's the reason behind it's that? It's a six-month loan and then Dyer's a free agent. He gets to hang out with Harry Kane for... for well, I, I don't know. I, but honestly, Unless this, they want to please Harry Kane and he went to them and said, please sign my, sign my boy. Be, be, between this and his obsession with... With, with the midfield thing, with the Palinia thing and like, Nein, Kimmich, he's not a six. Kimmich, he's not a six. I... I, I'm, I'm getting tired of this crap. I'm honestly, like, sort it out. But Kimmich can play six for a bunch of different managers before you come here, and then you decree, like God has gone up the Mount Olympus and spoken, no, Kimmich cannot be as a six, not in my system. Change your freaking system. Bayern Munich were around and successful for many years, yeah. many years with Joshua Kimmich before you arrived. You're Mr. Flexibility, yeah? You're, you're Das Rule Breaker. Sort it out, honestly. I know. Instead of destroying this guy's career, like, oh no, Kimmich is going to be destroying Kimmich's career. What? Well, all but you do, all you do is crap on him from, the, from know, morning to night. If he sees him more as an eight, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, six, eight, ten, twelve. You just can no. throw numbers. There's lottery no. numbers. Also, wait, but Limer's there, right? Yeah. He oh, needs Limer right back. six? Oh, no. Well, Limer's yeah. going to play right back. Even though Limer, of course, played in midfield at Leipzig a lot. Yeah. So I, well, this whole thing makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's League Cup semi-final time this week. I bet you're loving it, Gab. With Middlesbrough facing Chelsea on Tuesday and Liverpool hosting Fulham on Wednesday. The first leg, of course, of the semi-finals. There'll be no VR in these games. So, look, <laughs> I find this really, really funny. So in the FA Cup, yeah. there is VAR. But only a Premier League ground. Only a Premier League Which ground. Which is in itself an insult to the, to the FA Cup. <laughs> Why? It's either for everyone or for no one. You so can't true. just... Me! Why? It's so unfair. It is so unfair. VAR is there to get the decisions right in the context of that game. So you'd rather have wrong decisions. Yeah. Okay, assuming you're pro VAR. Yeah. Right? 
You'd rather have wrong decisions in a game. Give it to everyone. I don't care. Why some teams you would have it and not the others. So don't have it for anyone then. So, so in the FA Cup, you can have it for some games and not for others. Yeah. But in the League Cup, you have to have it in both semifinals or no semifinals. And by the way, there will be VR in the final <laughs> at Wembley. Uh, this makes no sense to me. Well, it's like, it's like so the FA Cup, I tell you. What? It's, it, well, it's, so they don't do it for the FA Cup, but they then for the League Cup, they go, oh, no, that's unfair. Well, because there's different people running it. Well, yeah, but, but still. But this is so stupid. I don't understand. If you have the AR, if, the, if you believe the AR makes you better. And by the way, the League, right, believe VAR is good because they have it in the Premier League, yeah. right? Then have VAR where you can have VAR. Don't have it for the Middlesbrough Chelsea first leg uh, in Middlesbrough. Have it for the second leg at Stamford Bridge. What's the problem? Well, no, I, no, I think you need. Oh some no, we have to make bad decisions in every no, game, it's not. including, by the way, they make the bad decisions with VR anyway. So they make bad decisions even when there's VR there. So <laughs> why can't Liverpool and Fulham or both Premier League? I know. Clubs, why, why can't they? <laughs> no, so you need dumb. the consistency. You need the consistency. The Independent reports that Brentford. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a hundred million pounds I mean, for Ivan Again, Tony. you are winding me up. You are absolutely who, winding Ivan me Tony, up. Ivan Tony, by the way, we're all supposed to really feel sorry for him. I love this, this guy, like, after what he did. Right? By the way, yeah. go back and read the report. It's not somebody accidentally betting. No. It's not like, you know, gambling at it. It's somebody going and misrepresenting facts when he's, under, when he's being questioned, yeah. which, by the way, is called perjury. Um, just read the report. Read the report, then make up your own mind. Um... He says he fell out of love with football during his band. Stopped watching oh, football. He didn't love no. it. And then maybe he remembered he had a contract and this is how oh, he makes yeah? his living. And yeah. maybe he likes it again. Anyway, he's back in training. I think he played for Brentford B, B whatever yeah, he's that good. is. Um, so Brentford say they want <laughs> 100 million, which to yeah, me is good luck with that. Like he's not for sale. Yeah, good luck with that. Nobody will even bring nothing close to that amount. He hasn't played for eight months. So like, and I mean, it's, this is baffling. But listen, they don't want to sell him. They need him to be fair because they're pretty bad this season so far. They're, sliding they're not going to go down. It's fine. The thing is, if you're Brentford, once you know you're not going to go down. Yeah. So the best scenario for Brentford is play Tony every week. Even if he makes your team worse, you'll score a, goal, a couple goals, yeah. and then you can trick somebody stupid in into summer. signing him in the yeah. summer. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming this is Brentford's great but game this plan. Is, yeah, this is exactly what they're going to do. So all that, all that talk about Tony is going to leave, all those teams who want Tony in January, I, don't, I can guarantee you he's not going to move in January. But there's so many teams who need, a, who need a proven goal yeah, scorer. Yeah, 100 right? million. Yeah, Arsenal? Sure. No? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. Oh my God, this is, really, this is really silly season with these quick hits, by the uh, way. It's amazing. I mean, you've, you've played the blinder. Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi haven't, haven't quite worked out at Toronto in MLS. Could we see them back in what, Serie A or maybe in Europe? I mean, look, it's in Saudi Arabia, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. I think Insigne, like, I don't follow Toronto FC from what I've been told. Insigne's had a more difficult time than Bernardeschi, who's yeah. played a bunch of games. Insigne's 32. He's a contract of 2026. Again, simple binary choice. Do I want to retire as a far richer man and he's, yeah, he's otherwise, money. or do I want to play some football? I don't think Insigne should come, come, can come back to Napoli or should go back to no, Napoli I agree. because then you end up having to share you know, space with the master of disaster. Um, <laughs> but it's simple. You cut your wages. Yeah. You cut your wages and you put yourself in a situation where will. you can leave. Surely he's 32. Benedeschi's 29. Again, I'm told he hasn't been great. But if he likes living in Toronto, if he's settled, 
you know, he's got a couple more years. Yeah, he's um, it's a different dynamic. But but yeah, you you need to think about this. Just because he's small and skillful and Jovinko worked out for you, yeah. doesn't mean that the next guy is going to be the same no. way. There's no need to pay these people all this money. That's very true. More buy and transfer stuff, Jules. Uh, they've been linked with Nordi Mukiele. Now, to me, yeah. this makes a lot more sense than Eric Dyer, not least because he can play two positions. That's right, Gabby. He can play right back and centre back. He even played left back uh, a couple of games for PSG. Ooh, but are. can he play as a six? Can he play as a six? He probably could. Maybe he could. And he's a young player. Apparently, Tuchel has always been a fan. He even tried to... Been in the Bundesliga before. Went to Chelsea. He knows the Bundesliga really well. For PSG, who are, I think, open to... Letting him go, they bought him for 10 million euros 18 months ago, and now they're discussing a, a transfer fee around 30 million. So for once, for once, or for a really rare time, PSG can actually make a profit on a player, which would be in itself <laughs> well, that amazing. Not often, certainly. Trust me that. So we will see. I mean, I'd be sad to see him go because he's a Paris-born and bred kid. Obviously, he grew up in, in, in Montreuil, and I love that. Those Parisians are playing for PSG, but I can also he wants to play more, and I think not that he's going to be a starter for every game at Bayern, but he would have maybe more opportunity well, to start there. Sorry, Hakimi is better than him at right back. Yes. Yeah, no, and Luis Enrique, I don't think fancied him that fancies him that much either. So, although given Kimpembe's sick note situation and the fact that they have Milan Skriniar, don't you need him as a? You've got Beraldo now. Who's already playing? He played in the cup. Geraldo's a child. I know, but Marquinhos Danilo is getting younger. Danilo is a centre back. Danilo's, a, back Danilo's a six. Why don't you send this? Why don't you send? Oh my God, to Tuchel. Tuchel knows him. Yeah, make make a lot more sense. Great idea for fifteen. Uh, no, for Tony's money, hundred million for Danilo. <laughs> Gab, who is Christian Spendi, and why are we talking about him? So you may not be familiar with Christian Definitely Spendi not. because he plays in the third division in Italy, okay. Fortuna. Although you might know his brother Stefan Spendi, yeah. who plays sometimes for uh, Empoli in uh, in Serie A. So he's an Italian uh, footballer of uh, Albanian descent. The story's not really about him; it's about his dad. I think the story is really cool, if a bit worrying. Um, <laughs> so. Anyway, he was playing for Cesena against Olbia in, in the Italian third division. He had a clash with, uh, with a keeper, left him with a broken eyebrow, um, and he had to come off. And so at the final whistle, what happens? Um, Christian Spendi's dad comes down from the stands, runs onto the pitch, and he punches the goalkeeper, Filippo Rinaldi, who, uh, who had injured his son. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. You, I, we can't praise that. This is not. I, I, you I should not, not do this. Okay, it's not as cool as that video. That's uh, that famous story of the, uh, of the, that woman. You can find this on YouTube. I'm sure you've seen it. If not, it's hilarious. The one of like the the, the boxer in the ring who's getting beaten up, and his mom yeah. runs into the ring and takes off her shoe and hits the other guy. But I, yeah, I, 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 I think Spendi Senior has some anger management oh, issues. Definitely. Sam Kerr can't catch a break, Jules. She was injured at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, played. Well, I don't know she played, but she played injured and wasn't yeah, the real yeah. Sam Kerr. Yeah. And now she suffered a cruciate ligament uh, injury. She's 30 years old. It's tough to come back at that age, especially yeah. when a lot of your game is based on athleticism. Yeah. In yeah. Kerr's case. It's really sad news coming from the, um, the winter camp that Chelsea are in in, in Morocco uh, to get a bit of sun as well as. Some football, uh, doing our training, it's not, it's, 
she's added her name to the long list of players who had that injury in the women's game. If you think about Beth Mead and Leah Williamson and Vivian Medima and all of that, it's just incredible how many ACL injuries we've seen in the women's game at, at the top, top, top level in, in recent months. So good luck to her. You're right, I don't know, this is a eight month, if not more, could be slightly less, but usually it's around eight month. Absence, it's a very long time at that age. It's a big blow, of course, for her personally. And she's had really, she's been unlucky with injuries lately, as we said. For Chelsea, of course, considering she's one of the best strikers in the world, if not the one, the, the best one. So, terrible news yesterday from, from Chelsea's camp. Catalan media are reporting that Barcelona are taking a serious look at Thiago Alcantara. I mean, continuing in the uh, crazy quick hits. Gab, is he the answer? I think I know your answer. Okay, so he hasn't actually played football since uh, last April. Obviously, he's been dealing yes. with, with, with an injury. I was ready to go and have a long, hard giggle about this. But then it occurred to me, he's 24 years old. Sorry, not 24 no. years old. If only. If only, yeah. Uh, his contract is up in, in June, June, yeah. in June 2024, right? Uh, there's no, Liverpool are not going to give him a new deal. Definitely not. Um, Liverpool have moved on. He's made... A lot of money in his career, played for really big clubs. He's, I don't know if he was born in Barcelona. In fact, I believe since his dad is Mazzino, he yeah. might have been born in Italy. So he's really one of us. But he was certainly raised in uh, Barcelona. Yeah. Um, why not come back? Well, this is another one of those situations. Got six months to go. Can I go to Klopp and say, Jürgen, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. We've won some important things together. I'm not going to get a new deal here. You and I both know that. I make too much money. Um, let me... Will you cancel my contract? And let, can I join Barcelona? In what role, though? Okay, he's joining... Us. If, if that means we see less of Sergio Roberto, I'm all for it. Yes, please, do the Thiago. More seriously, then. Where does it fit? I, I don't know. I love these romantic stories. No, no, me too. And I love Thiago on, on, on his day. He doesn't know. fit in the starting 11. But if he can... If, again, I have no idea if he's in any condition to play, right? But in certain games, if with Gavi's out, he won't be back for a long time. Pedri's always tired and injured, blah, blah, blah. If you want somebody who can hold the ball and who can yeah. pass, presumably he's still able to do yeah, that. Yeah, no, for sure. Right? Better than Oriol Romeo can. Yeah. Probably better than Frankie de Jong. Maybe he's an alternative to, to, to Gundogan, or at least deep-line Gundogan, yeah. which I think we're going to see less and less of. Maybe you come back and you say, hey, I'm here to help. Pay me whatever you want to pay me. They can't pay him much anyway, right? Yeah. Um, give me a six-month contract. We evaluate in the summer. I'd love to see gestures like that. No, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Mohamed Ali Cho is on his way back to league. Oh, and Jules. I'm quite excited with this. He signed for Nice. Oh, he's about to sign for Nice. Um, I don't think the move from Angers to Real Sociedad worked out for him. He had a few injuries. I, I think, think they realize he's not from La Cantera. Yeah, but still, I think he had enough talent. I just, just don't know what happened exactly there, but it didn't work out. He wanted to come home. He will. He had the choice between Nice and Strasbourg. Sloans. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and I think I think this is really good for him. I think it's really good. I like this a lot. I want to see him there. Uh, and he's only 20 years old. So he left really young, to be fair, really early. So Nice and Strasbourg, yeah. somebody might say Manchester United or Chelsea. Which That's dysfunctional right. club did, did he get? I mean, even right now, if you, although Strasbourg have been doing better under Patrick Vieira in the last few weeks before the break, but you join Nice... I think I think this is an exciting project with with Fayoli. You know you're going to play because 
even if Mofi didn't go to the to the African combination. There's Laborde on the right hand side, you can take his place. Boga on the left has gone to Afcon, so there's that position there available for you. And and I think, yeah, I think he's got so much quality, really. And I always thought that the Real Sociedad move was a little bit strange. One, because he came so early, he was still so young, and I don't think there was a need. He could have stayed in Ligue 1, a bit like Eliwai, for a little bit longer. Um, and, and two, I thought even there that he had all the qualities to be good in that, that team, but didn't work out for him. So let's wish him good luck back in Ligue 1. Clothing brands super dry are taking legal action against Manchester City. Yeah, so I don't know if this is a publicity stunt from them, but apparently they've actually filed papers. Uh, if it's a publicity right. stunt, shame on them. I, I don't particularly like that brand. Um, so <laughs> okay. this is the part I don't understand. And again, this is a legal <laughs> thing. Lawyers, you know my view. Yeah. So Manchester City, they've done a kit sponsorship deal with Azahi, the Japanese beer brand. One of Azahi's labels is called Super Dry. Now, Super Dry has been around, I think, since I lived in Japan as a child, okay. which is a long, long time ago, in the 1980s, in fact. Um, so they're maybe saying that this creates confusion, brand infringement. I mean, for me personally, with all respect to the clothing brand, Super Dry, being associated with Manchester City for free, if there are people, if there are morons out there who look at uh, Jeremy Doku in, in, in training and say, oh, look, you know, he's, he's advertising the, the stupid super dry T-shirts and hoodies. I better go and buy one. You should only be happy that you're being associated with one of the most successful brands in sport, right? Yeah. Um, but what I don't get is the beer brand's been around much longer than the clothing brand. Yeah. So I don't understand what basis this is. I hope we haven't just given them all free publicity for, <laughs> out of nonsense. I but hey, so, if they have a legal case. It's a strange one. It, it is bizarre. It um, is really bizarre. Our pal, Fernando Santos, has a new home, Jules. The former Portugal manager will be taking his positive attitude and joyous approach to Besiktas. <laughs> and he's attacking football, obviously. And a, and to one of the greatest stadiums, by the way. Exactly. But he did so well for Poland as the uh, Poland national team head coach that he got rewarded after being psyched from Poland by a job for Besiktas, who, as, you, as we know, we mentioned in the quickies a few shows ago, got rid of five of their players, like Eric Bailly and, and so on, because they didn't like their attitudes. It's not the best of environment right now, considering where Galatasaray and Fenerbahce are, especially in the league. But hey, you know, uh, maybe a bit more defensive solidity with the ever-smiling uh, Fernando Santos would be good for them. Maybe that's what it is. Manchester United round out the FA Cup weekend in a few hours as, uh, on Monday night as they face Wigan Athletic away from home. In the meantime, Ahmad Diallo has taken to social media, Gab, to rubbish reports that, he's going, he's going, that he would not go out on loan again. Uh, yeah, um, good for him. I don't... This is just an excuse to talk about Ahmad Diallo because <laughs> I have you a like soft him. spot for him. I know. And he was I think good he has when something he to give. I think when he came on, he looks good. I think if you're a United fan, the more Diallo means the less Anthony. Um, there are other people, of course, who we, we've seen. We, we've seen him play Garnacho on the right. Uh, we've seen him play Rashford on the right. Yeah. Uh, I think Anthony's an issue. And, you know, sometimes when you chuck in the kids, the kids do well. Maybe even tonight. Maybe against Wigan's an opportunity to play the kids. Or, or would be, if not yeah. for the fact that the FA Cup right now is Manchester United's Champions League because they're not in the Champions League or the Europa League. That's right. And so it becomes very important. So, but hopefully, hopefully he contributes. And I want him to contribute at Manchester United. He's had his loan spell. He did well on his loan That's spell. True. He's had his injury. 
Give him a shot. Brazil have a new national team manager, yeah. Jules. Dorival Jr. will replace Fernando Diniz. Yeah, so they went to the guy who... Uh, Formerly at Sao Paulo. Yes, yeah, Sao Paulo, who we won the uh, Brazilian Cup with. So Diniz did really well with Fluminense, obviously, domestically. That didn't work out for the national team, so they thought, hey, who else did okay domestically in our league? Oh, yeah, let's go for Dorival Jr., who's 61 years old, who really, let's be honest, I, I cannot see as this kind of level, but it's, maybe you, it's just me. You know, it's funny. It's a cultural thing. You know, people say, oh, like um, clubs are too trigger happy in Europe. They don't give managers time. Man, in Brazil. So he started coaching in 2002. Okay. I counted 26 different clubs. In 22 years. It's something like that. Ferroviária, Figueirense, Fortaleza, Cruciuma, Juventus, Porto Recife, Avai, Salcatano, Cruzeiro, Cruciuma, no, sorry, Cruzeiro, Coritiba, Vasco da Gama, Santos, Atlético Mineiro, Internacional, Flamengo, Vasco da Gama again, Fluminense, Palmeiras, Santos, Sao Paulo, Flamengo again, Atlético Paranaense, Ceará, Flamengo again, Sao Paulo, and now Brazil. Maybe he's writing a book. Maybe he's writing a book about, you know, I've managed every single club in Brazil. It's a record Guinness. I don't know. It's strange. I mean, we wish him good luck. They're in terrible form, of course. Uh, I think they're coming and play England and the Dutch. They're still Brazil. Yeah, they're still still Brazil and they have a lot of talent. But yeah. And sticking with Brazil, a more sad story, of course. The legendary Mario Zagallo has passed away at 92 years of age this weekend. Gabby made history in many ways. Yeah, so I've had the privilege of, of meeting him. Um, he made history because obviously he won the World Cup in 1958-1962. He was out on the wing. He was yeah. kind of the winger who always kind of doubled back, did his defensive work, allowed the other winger to, 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 to shine. Uh, he's the last surviving player from the 1958 final. That's right. He was. Uh, and then in 1970, he comes back and he becomes a manager, the Brazilian national team. And, you know, a lot of people... You know how every so often people just come yeah. out and talk about the importance of psychology in sports and sports psychologists. Oh, it's the innovation of the future. Whatever you think of sports psychology and sports psychologists, it's not the innovation of the future. Because in 1970, Brazil, largely to, to, to Mario Zagallo, they had, they had a sports psychologist with them in the national team. Mm. So he was a pioneer in many different ways, um, a real class act and a real, a real gentleman. And uh, yeah, sad day. Jules, that brings us to an end. Ah. But I'm going to be back on Thursday. You, you will. won't be. We're going to have Stuart Robson coming yeah. in because it's the Spanish Super Cup. How about it that? Is. Also the Rome Derby in the Coppa Italia. A ton of stuff going on. The League Cup semifinal. Yeah, of course. Wow. Uh, until then, love the game. Love your name. Love yourself. <laughs>